Greetings and salutations in the name of our Lord. How are you today? I hope you're doing well. Um, can you believe it? We are finishing up the Gospel of John today. I'm so glad you joined me. I'm Paige. Join me for my chat in the Bible, my coffee and Paige. And thank you for listening to me as I think with my mouth open. This has been a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience for me going through the Gospel of John again. It was the very first thing I read in the Bible when I got saved. Uh, my wife wrote to me and quoting large chunks of the Bible uh, out of uh, the Ch Gospel of John uh, when I was in boot camp before I was a Christian. Well, I'm glad you're doing great, Henry. <laughs> glad to see you here. I can always count on you. The Gospel of John has held a very special place in my life and my heart. And it's amazing how many times I've read it. And each time God takes me down a different path with it. This time, uh, it was my goal to, I, I know this is going to sound funny. It was my goal to learn how to behave. <laughs> you know, you hear that saying, um, what would Jesus do? I, I guess that's kind of been my approach to this. What would Jesus do? In the middle of all the things that Jesus confronted and was faced with, how did he respond? Now, John's purpose right in the gospel, we we read that yesterday. His purpose was so that, uh, well, let me go find it here. I think I have it. Ah, there we go. Yeah, verse 31 of chapter 20. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So this gospel, the end, John's end game for this gospel is contained in this statement. He chose the things to write about that would reinforce the faith of a believer and perhaps challenge a non-believer into considering who Jesus really was. And if you read John's gospel, uh, you quickly come to the conclusion that Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't a good man misunderstood. He wasn't uh, a, a, a martyr, necessarily. Someone who died. Well, he did die. But he did something no other martyr's ever done. He came back. And Jesus knew who he was and plainly stated that he was the Son of God, co-equal with God. John the Apostle believed he was God. And Jesus' enemies understood him to say that he was God. So Jesus left no room for um, muddling around about who he was. He, he believed he was God, and I believe he was God. And John wrote, says, I wrote this so that you believe, might believe that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, by believing, you might have life in his name. That's his end game. So as I read through the Gospel of John this time, my faith was encouraged. And I was reminded again and again and again that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That God so loved Paige that he gave his only son. That if Paige would believe in him, Paige would have eternal life. I, I'm 
no one comes to the father except no one comes to the son except the father draws him it's just again and again and again i'm encouraged but on top of that bolstering of my faith i was kind of keeping my eyes open for how to behave how did jesus behave how did jesus behave with the people that uh the church I'm sorry, well, I guess you could say church, the religious community at the time, shunned. Uh, lepers, prostitutes, tax collectors, Gentiles, um, men who were men and women who were lame, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, the you know, the sick, the the people that were cast aside by the religious community. How did Jesus respond? and react to those people. Who would those people be today? Well, think of all the groups of people that the churches, um, many churches, shun, look down on. But look at all the different kinds of people today that are disenfranchised by the church, the institutional church. And you will find in the Gospel of John, how to respond to people like that, how to react to people like that. It, the, my thought that I continued to circle around the entire Gospel, and before we get into chapter 21 here, was the fact that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments, all the other laws hang, basically is what Jesus said. Now, he said that in one of the other Gospels. What's amazing to me is it wasn't in John's Gospel, but um, I kept coming back to that, and I kept seeing Jesus modeling that. So my trip through this, this time through the Gospel of John was how to behave. Now, uh, let's get with chapter 21. Now, I told you yesterday that I considered chapter 20 the end of the Gospel. There's no literary reason, no, it just felt like the end. Jesus died, he was resurrected, he appeared to his disciples. And then chapter 21 is like a postscript because see, there's there's a story left untold here. And the story is a story about Peter. Let's just read about it first and then I'll share my thoughts on it. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, doubting Thomas actually, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, said Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, by the way, that's the apostle John. That's how he wrote about himself. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore. 
about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger and you dressed yourself and went where you, when you, excuse me, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, John the Apostle, was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Wow. All about Peter. I'm going to take some license here. I'm, I, I, this, I have a cinematic imagination. All right, I, I picture like this would be a movie scene. But I also bring into a situation like this my knowledge of who I am and what I do and how I react to things. And this, so I'm going to apply some of that to this. This is what I mean by that. Peter, prior to the crucifixion, trial and crucifixion, Peter had very publicly declared his undying devotion to Jesus. 
Peter loved Jesus. He knew Jesus was the Messiah. Now, it's obvious that he didn't understand everything about that. Henry, good observation. Uh, my former my student just said, Jesus' first words to Peter were, follow me. And his last words were, you must follow me. Good stuff. Good job. All right. But now Jesus, Peter had made a very public declaration of his love. for He says, Lord, I'm, I die for you. Because Jesus just said that everybody was going to desert him. He said, no, Lord, not me. I would die for you. And Jesus said, really, Peter? Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. My dad used to have a saying. Uh, don't let your mouth write a check that your butt can't cash. It's kind of rude and crude. But it is a really wise statement from my dad. And Peter's mouth wrote a check when he said, I'm going to die for you. And you and you can just see, Jesus says, but you're going to deny me three times for the rooster crows. You can just see Peter going, no. And then in the garden, when they approached and Judas betrayed Jesus, Peter pulled his sword out, chopped off the ear of one of the, of one of the guards. It, you can see Peter didn't get it. Peter really didn't understand really what was going on here. And then Peter follows him, follows Jesus. Now, John the apostle says he knew the high priest, got got Peter in, and Peter's sitting around the, the, the fire with some of the servants. And they ask him, don't, Aren't you, weren't you with Jesus in the garden? Said, no. And of course, we know the story. Jesus was denied by Peter three times. The rooster crowed. And then Jesus was led away. Try to put yourself in Peter's place. This was no shallow relationship between Peter and Jesus. Jesus was loved and adored by Peter. Peter was part of his inner three. Peter, James, and John. He was in the inner circle of the disciples. His relationship with Jesus was strong and powerful, and he denied him. He denied even knowing him. He had just previously said, I'll die for you. And Jesus said, no, you won't. You're going to deny me three times. And then it happened. So imagine the embarrassment and the shame that descended on Peter. The shame must have been great because Peter wasn't there at the crucifixion. John was. John was there with Mary. Where was Peter? I can't help but think that Peter was overcome with shame and was crushed by his overwhelming denial of the man he said he loved so much. I believe Peter was reeling from uh, the events. How could Messiah 
be killed. How could Jesus let himself be taken so easily? I'm thinking thoughts that I would think. You know, when I was a young teenager, uh, I grew up. I grew up in Alaska, and we would go hunting a lot. We'd be out in the woods a lot, and there were a lot of bears in Alaska. Brown bears, uh, North America's apex predator. And I always used to make my brag that I wouldn't be scared if I saw a bear. I always carried a gun. You always carry a gun with you when you go out in the woods. Um, but I always made my brag that I wouldn't be afraid of a bear if I saw one. I knew what to do. I was a good shot. Yada, 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 yada. And then the day came when I saw a brown bear up close. And I remember looking at that bear, looking down at my gun, thinking that gun didn't look nearly big enough. And I was frozen in fear. My brag was gone. There was, I was so overcome with fear that I was frozen in place. That bear could have had me for lunch. And I wouldn't have done anything to defend myself. So I get a little bit, I understand a little bit about Peter in this sense, that he'd made his brag, but when the crunch time came, it was much more overwhelming than he could have even imagined. And like Peter, I had made my brag in the presence of my friends. And like Peter, I didn't stand up to the plate and swing like I said I would. And it's embarrassing. Now, I was just, that's just the story of me and a bear. Imagine about if it was somebody that you loved and you deserted somebody that you swore undying devotion to. So Peter wasn't at the cross, John was. And Mary was. That was it. But now, here's something else. Jesus shows up twice where the disciples are hanging out. And he doesn't deal with Peter. I sometimes wonder if that ate at Peter a little bit. We see Peter's sorrow also, believe it or not, in the fact that when Mary came back and said, he's gone, John and Peter ran to the tomb and Peter outran John. Peter was hoofing it and he gets to the tomb and the body's gone. I wonder what was going through his mind. Just the grief. Messiah, Jesus dead. He denied him. All that piling on top of him. And when Jesus shows up, he doesn't address the issue with Peter. He just shows up and talks to the disciples. Shows up twice. Focuses on Thomas the second time, telling him, you know, all right, so you doubted. Here I am. Touch me. Be blessed. Believe. He didn't address Peter then, the second time. 
Now, this time, the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples, I just, you know, I, I see Peter with the disciples saying, you know, I've had it. I'm going fishing. I'm going back. I'm, I'm going fishing. Who wants to go? So they all go and they fish. And there's, and to add insult to injury, they don't catch anything. They're fishermen and they don't catch anything. Well, Jesus shows up at the beach, tells them, hey, throw your net on the other side. They do. And of course, they catch a lot of fish. And John the Apostle says, it's the Lord. And Peter, I believe, overwhelmed with emotion, jumps in the water to swim to shore. And that's where this discussion happens. Look at how Jesus addressed Peter. He said, Simon, son of John. He used his full name. Now, when did your parents ever use your full name with you? When they had something really important to say, and sometimes you'd done something wrong. When I heard my mama or dad go, Paige Cameron Garwood, I knew that we were about to have a very serious discussion. Jesus is about to have a very serious discussion with Jesus, with, with Peter. So he uses his full name, Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Peter had declared his undying love and devotion many times. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Hmm. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Jesus said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Can you imagine the anguish in Peter? Peter swore in front of the disciples that he would die for Jesus. And of course, they all were aware that he didn't really mean it. They were all aware. And this is happening in their presence. And Jesus is formally addressing Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And this is, I, I just picture this as a, almost like a loving parent driving home a point to the child that had done something wrong without telling them what they had done wrong. Does that make sense? Do you love me? You know I love you. Do you love me? Really? Lord, you know I love you. Peter denied him three times. Jesus asked him the same question all three times. I could almost see Peter in tears. Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Then he said, feed my sheep. And then he prophesied to Peter saying, basically, there's going to come a time 
when somebody else is going to address you and lead you where you don't want to go. It says here, he did said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then his last words, I can hear him say it, follow me. This is a very dramatic scene. And the, the reason I call this postscript, because John chapter 20 left the story of Peter untold, unfinished. If I were watching that in a movie, I'd say, what happened to Peter? Where was he? Why wasn't he at the cross? And I could just see Peter being so ashamed. So saddened and so ashamed and so afraid. And I see Jesus restoring Peter in this scene, but also very gently rebuking him in a very loving way, the way someone who loves you would rebuke you. When my son did something wrong, I would not hit him in the face with it. I would find a way, and I did, it happened several times. I found a way to make him aware that what he did was wrong. And especially when I saw him in a very repentant attitude, like he knew he had done wrong and he knew that he deserved incredible punishment. That softened my heart. And I see that happening here. Peter is finally understanding that Jesus had to die, that Jesus had to be resurrected. And it, within that context, he, see his, he sees his own behavior and he's incredibly crushed by it. And that's what you see happening here. Jesus is restoring him at the same time, rebuking him. And I, you know, I see an undercurrent of Peter. Now you understand. Don't let your mouth write a check that your butt can't cash. That is so crude. I apologize for that. But it is such an appropriate saying. My dad was such a wise man. I see that happening here. And this is a great way to end the gospel. Peter restored. And you find the Peter in the book of Acts much different than this Peter. Peter is changed and this is the moment he has changed, I believe. All right. That ends our sojourn through the gospel of John. Can you imagine? I think it's 40 eight or 49 episodes. Um, I'm making, I make copies of this for my podcast uh, and I post on my Facebook page. So uh, uh, you can go get it at any, via any a vehicle that you use for your podcast, Spotify, Apple, whatever. Tomorrow I'll have my wrap up Saturday and I will talk a little bit about uh, what's coming next. I am very encouraged uh, by 
how God has worked in my heart through doing this, this devotional approach. And I'm ready to do it again. We're going to switch from here, I think, and do uh, uh, a look at uh, maybe John's first, John, first, second, and third John. He wrote those letters about the same time as he wrote the gospel. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. And he wrote to address a very specific situation uh, that was occurring in the Christian church. Now, you have to realize John's at the end of his life. At the end of the first century, the Christian church has been around for 60, maybe 70 years. And uh, things are starting to get a little messed up. And he's going to address some of that. And we're also going to see how he addressed some of those issues even in the telling of this gospel with the emphasis he put on certain aspects of Jesus. So having said that, ladles and jelly spoons, I got my coffee. This is Paige. And we just went through the gospel of John. I'll see you tomorrow. Wrap up Saturday. Have a great day. Bye-bye.